0: to this very special episode of In Another Voice, a podcast about poets you might not have heard of and their poetry in translation. I'm Kyra. And I'm Maria. And it's been a while since our last episode because we've been working on hosting our very own translation competition, which we finally get to share with you in this episode.
1: We wanted to bring some focus to non-anglophone poets working in the world today. And we've got three very exciting poets featuring. We've got chloe Savoy Savard-Bernard, who works in French, Haro Martin de la Fuente, who works in Spanish, and Ksenia Dekanovo, who works in both Russian and Catalan, and will be featuring here with a Russian poem.
0: Each poet gave us a poem for the competition, and we had a month-long submission window open to anyone who wanted to translate the poems from their original language into English.
1: We wanted them to focus on rhyme, rhythm, and meaning, but mostly the poets decided which translations best reflected their poems. We'll now be hearing from the poets, who we've asked to introduce themselves. We'll also be hearing their poems alongside their winning English translations.
2: Okay. Hi, my name is Chloé Bernard. I live in the unceded lands of Tiltake, also called Montreal in Quebec, Canada. Um, I'm starting a postdoc in September and I'm also a poet, a translator, a critic. Uh, My life revolves around literature, (laughs) all sorts of literature. Um, it's hard for me to answer why poetry because I also write the, um, other type of literature. But I think I see myself first as a poet because it's um, it's all around images and metaphors, and I really feel myself not feel myself, but je me sens le plus moi-même. I feel most myself with images and not like exact things. Like it, I have more freedom in poetry than anywhere else and I think this is why I love poetry.
3: Just before the rise
4: Presque demain déjà Si dans le jour je marche
3: While every day I walk
4: Sachant que sur mes épaules
3: Knowing that upon my shoulders
4: s'amoncellent les strates des violences éculées
3: Layers, of timeless, violence are layers up.
4: of timeless violence are piling up Je sais que la nuit I also know that comes the night. Les miasmes de la journée.
3: The day's sickly suspensions arise as, as lullabies, as, as leeching, leeching
4: lace. Me berce, m'enlace.
3: Avid alien pernicious.
4: Cupide, étrangère, pernicieuse, se glissant derrière mes oreilles. Sneaking up behind my ears to, to better, better creep. creep into my body's holes. Pour mieux rentrer dans les trous de mon corps. Sex open. Brasser le sexe ouvert dans l'œil de la tornade. I, I swirl in the eye of eye the, the storm. J'avale le dehors et ne le digère jamais. Swallowing and, outside, and outside, I, could I can never absorb. Cauchemardé, lézardé, supprimé de naissance.
3: Through nightmares, through cracks, concealed from birth.
4: Je dors dans tout ce qui n'est pas moi.
3: I sleep in all that isn't me within masks.
4: Dans les masques du réel diffracté. Of this me suis-je réellement défaite des voiles pour me découvrir réellement sainte et entière réellement pleine de mes propres contours et irriguée de mon propre sang parlant ma langue propre
0: That
1: was Presque Demain Déjà, translated by Sarah Badzik, a writer, performer, and translator working in English and French.
5: I'm Jairo. I live in, in, in Spain, in Valladolid. I start writing poetry. I don't know why, because first of all, I start writing uh, like novel or short novel, but I find, uh, I found in poetry that this easy to express the the feelings. So it's the way I love writing. I study writing, but I think poetry is the way to get out all things and express myself. So for me, this is why I start uh, writing poetry.
0: Literatura anatomica. Anatomical literature. Quiero leerte. I long to read you, Leerte te entera, to read you whole, sin coma, no comas ni pausas, no pauses, nemita, sin medreca. Long to recite you, quiero recitarte, whisper you, susurrarte, hacer poesía de tus curvas, turn your curves into poetry, tocar la tecla, rest the keys, the keys and lose keys myself in your lines, words. perderme entre tus versos, que, que no, no hay puntos. no stops, ni siquiera aparte. Even Pasarnos el canon por el forro de los cojones. Tell the canon, Tell the canon to go fuck itself. And scholars Decir a los catedráticos no que la poesía tiene no tiene reglas. Read ourselves. Leernos Read ourselves meticulously. Jugar con la metáfora y con la lengua.
4: Definirnos. Definirnos, Label ourselves.
0: Definirnos es Matarlos.
4: matarnos. Label are suicide. Los, los libros. libros. Books. Hello,
0: That was Literatura Anatomica, translated by Daniel Clark, a recent graduate from Cambridge University.
6: My name is Ksenia Diakonova. I've been living for many years in Barcelona, and here my name is different. I have a double personality and a double name. Uh, Here they call me. Senia or Shenya, the Akonova, sort of defines my way of being. I have two different names in two different countries. I uh, use three languages in my everyday life the Russian language, uh, which is the, my family language, and also Spanish and Catalan. I started ra- writing poetry when I was a little kid, just because everybody in my family was writing poetry. <laughs> and I wanted to imitate it, to imitate my parents and my grandparents. Um, I think normal kids, <laughs> usually. I <laughs> uh, are, uh, are read uh, short stories or fairy tales uh, before they go to sleep. But in my case, it was poetry good poetry, real poetry (laughs) for grown up people. And I think it also helped me to grow up. (laughs) And though I didn't understand everything, there were many words I did not understand, but still I was fascinated by the music of this poem, by its rhythm and so many associations, which every word created in my mind and in my imagination. And I think it was the most important reason, which made me um, try to write something myself.
1: When When you hear that someone has died Someone whose wit was razor sharp and who could still another's fit of craziness with ice-cold barbs There's... A sensation inside. The, the very thing, the very thing mind. Ill-defined and altogether one, one of a kind. One of a kind that he poked fun at. Somehow caused his expiration. Быть, ум, or took revenge, on him, perhaps, то, boom, took revenge on him, perhaps, for being for smart. Took revenge on him, perhaps, for being smart. For being smart, for never having felt a sharp pang in his heart from two he loves, loves concurrent, concurrent and, competing. and competing. As though in this loyalty of his to his own self or the balance for the
6: balance
1: which he was always known there were some secrets unknowable form of cheating and that was Kadaumirait Ktota translated by Hugh Davies, a professional translator working in Russian and English. We also got the chance to talk to the poets about working as a non-anglophone poet today, about translation, and about how the pandemic affected their work.
7: Great, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the poems that you guys gave us for the competition. If you could tell us what each poem is about, um, because I think the people translating, you know, have different interpretations. So yeah, so why don't we start with, um, Jairo, your poem, Literatura Anatómica, Anatomical literature what what's it all about?:
5: yeah my, I choose I give it uh, to you some poems and you choose this one. I love it. this one is for my first book. And the poem talk about um, love, the why love, and also about literature, because I don't like the, the way that uh, people put the poetry like only for serious. For, for people that study poetry, that study literature, I think that poetry is for, for the people in the streets to, to read. You know, uh, no rules. No rules in, in and No rules in, in poetry. Pasarnos el canon por el, el forro, forro de los cojones.
0: Tell, Tell the canon to go fuck right? itself. And scholars. that poetry bleeds no, no rules. rules. Que la poesía no tiene like reglas. No tiene reglas. Chloe, what about...
7: Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> Presque demain déjà. What, what What is that about? I mean, I feel like it's a bit darker. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's always dark. I think my poetry is never about joy and happiness and things like that. I, it's funny because I think I'm a joyful person, but I think that a lot of my darkness is into my poetry. Um, so it's a poem that is going to be in my next book uh, that is going to be launched uh, this fall. Um, and I think that it's uh, it's hard to say, because I don't think it's about one thing, one topic, or uh, it really revolves more about feelings as, uh, as Jehu said, but it's, um, the feeling that it's the impossible barrier between the self and the outside, because you want to be like yourself. So it's like the big question is, who can I be in this world? And because the world is always like entering in myself, entering in me. So it's like, what could I be if I was only myself but it's impossible because we are always so influenced by the outside so it's about how violent in fact it's the outside to when you want to find yourself so it's a, there's a lot of movement there's a lot of body pieces <laughs> in my work uh, like um, my work is always a uh, I hope embodied in some sort so yeah the viol- the violence of the outside the VS versus the, the the becoming of the self
4: something like that Si dans le jour je marche,
3: While every day I walk,
4: que sur mes épaules,
3: knowing that upon my
4: shoulders
3: layers of timeless violence are piling
4: up. I was wondering actually, um, when you
7: wrote it, because when, you, when we see it and you talk about masks, I think for us now, translating it, reading it, we think, oh covid and the masks we mm. wear because of covid did you have that in mind or was that just
2: not at all uh, i wrote the, my other books of poetry i wrote them in a very short period of time like three or four months but this book uh, took me three years so i i don't know exactly when i wrote this poem but it was like somewhere in the last three years so no it, it was not re- It was. it's not a covid poem
7: <laughs> that's so funny because that's literally why we chose it i think we saw masks we oh, were yeah. like ah COVID, we'll, we'll choose this one, no. but
2: yeah. No, but I do think that COVID was like in the air before COVID arrived. Like the we had, the, I had the end of the world feeling for a few few years now with a lot of things, political things, health things. So I think maybe we can feel it in the poem, but yeah.
7: Definitely, there's definitely a lot of like put like political darkness coming through there. Um, <laughs> and Xenia, what about you? I'm not going to try and, and butcher the Russian. Um, I'm going to let Maria do that, but what is, your, what is your
6: poem about, When Someone Dies? Well, uh, it was written much before. <laughs> it was written uh, perhaps five or six years ago. It was written while I, I still wrote poetry uh, in Russian. Well, uh, now I'm taking a break from writing in Russian and I write in Catalan and sometimes in Spanish, but I published this poem in a, in a poetry review, well, in a literary review. It's not not easy to say what it, what it's about. It's the first words in Russian, when someone dies. Mm, I think one of the, the ideas of the poem, perhaps the only idea because i'm not very good with ideas and poems but one of the ideas is one is, one is uh, to- told um, every time one is told you you have to be faithful to your to yourself to your opinions to your convictions but that's uh, ridiculous because one changes every day every day one is a slightly different person so one cannot be faithful to oneself because there are many ways of being oneself.
1: (laughs) Uh, As though in this loyalty of his to his own self or the balance for which he was always known there were some secret unknowable form of cheating. I
6: just hate this kind of um mm, very uh common mm, common places um, being faithful to oneself mm. so when one is too stubborn uh, when one is too rational and one doesn't admit any possibility of of mm, well of madness in one's life or uh, of any irrational element in others in others' lives, uh, either on others' ways of thinking or acting or feeling, uh, that's that's the kind of thing that that I hate, <laughs> and I sort of wanted to take revenge on, on this kind of people who are too rational and who have a, a rational explanation for everything, <laughs> and um, who are. Uh, too faithful to themselves, or to a, to a very rigid uh, version of themselves, and that's what I, I wanted to say in this poem. I was also thinking about a person who was dear to me, uh, a teacher of mine, who died some years ago. And uh, though I, I was really fond of him, but that was the, this this short coming of his. And I wanted perhaps to correct this this part of him, which I did not like.
1: So, Ksenia, you mentioned that you write in, well, you used to write more in Russian poetry, but now you're taking a break and you're writing more in Catalan. So I guess this is a question that we wanted to ask you, but also Jairo and Chloe. So as far as we know, you guys haven't written any poems in English, so I guess we wanted to ask how you find writing in not English and whether that affects you and whether you've ever thought about writing in English or if you like feel that the world is too like anglocentric, and if that affects you in your work at
2: all.
6: I do think the world is very anglocentric, but I, I sort of like it too. <laughs> uh, well just because um, well for example in my In my work as a teacher, I I also teach poetry and I teach uh, literature uh, to young poets or not too young, well, but to people who want to to learn the craft. And um, I always make them read um, English poets or American poets or, well, poets whose uh, mother tongue is English. Uh, And uh, there are always a lot of interesting things happening in English or American poetry. So I, I envy <laughs> the poets who write in English also because I think it's, it's uh, an ideal language for poetry because there are so many uh, short words <laughs> of uh, just one syllable. So you can uh, make a, a sentence with uh, ten syllables, <laughs> and in ten syllables you can say a lot of things, especially when you write with regular meter. Uh, this necessity of uh, using very few syllables and saying a lot in in very in 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 few words is 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 very important. So sometimes I think um, neither Russian nor Catalan has this compact. Nature, uh, but Catalan sometimes is close to English in that sense. Uh, the, w- the words are shorter, and uh, there are many, not exactly phrasal verbs, wor- but but something mm, that resembles frazzle verbs, and you can use them in poetry, and it's a great tool. <laughs> um, I I never dared to write anything in English because my English is not good enough. But I think that if I just could perhaps spend um, some months, three or four months in an English-speaking country, I would I would try. I would make some experiment, <laughs> just perhaps for myself, not for publishing it. But I would I would try.
1: Hi, or Chloe, do you have any, do you agree or disagree or have any thoughts on the original question?
2: Yeah, I do, because here in Quebec, I think we have a very special relationship to French and to English because we are surrounded by English. And like if you step outside of Quebec, you're in Canada, so it's English. So the relationship between English and and French is really intense, as you may or may not know. (laughs) So I'm very very attached to French as a language but French is also as English a settler language so there's also that so English and French are a settlers language it's not the original language that we're talking Quebec to begin with so I'm a bit kind of mixed feelings because I think in in French always I dream in French but my life is uh, also because my girlfriend is a uh, Uh, she's speaking in English doesn't know much French so my life is a lot in English but I do feel resentful sometimes that my life is so much in English like I wouldn't want to teach uh, creative writing in English because the way I think language and literature is in French so I'm always kind of mixed feelings but I do read a lot in English I'm starting to translate from English to French so and I do like the the craft of translating because when like you know that English and French are different, of course. But when you you are actually translating it, you see all all the sentence the way they are built, and all you have to change things and bend things to make it to make it like readable in French. So yeah, so I would say that. But I I like English. I love to read in English. I think that. Um, in Quebec for say uh, we have a lot of lack in in the translation a lot of like the good philosophy right now is written in English so uh, so I have to read in English if I want to be like part of my time and part of the thinking of my time because all the post-colonial things the best one all the queer theory it's all in English so we just don't have a choice and there's really a lack in translation for that kind of stuff but at the same time French I'm always gonna be thinking in French, even though my father's first language was Creole was not French was Asian Creole. So it's a complicated relationship, I would say, with French, but also with English. And my Creole is very, very, very weak. (laughs) So sometimes in my poems, I would use a bit of uh, Creole, I will use a bit of English also because the way we talk French in Quebec is very uh, tainted by English anyway, we call it franglais. So it's like a mix of French and English. And, but I say all that and my English is far to be perfect. So I feel it's also that like, um, and I think that even if I would be speaking English each day and I am speaking English each day but I would have a kind of a resistance and I will be always less uh, less fluid in English and in French. So for me, it's, and I'm a very precise person. <laughs> I like to say like the things I wanna say. And in English, I'm always negotiating my, uh, my weakness. in in the language i'm always like oh it's not exactly the way i would want to say it and sometimes i hear the the right way in english in my in my head and i cannot say it properly so it's always i have a very frustrated relationship to english so yeah that's it for me i would say
1: no that's really interesting haru you go
5: (laughs) (laughs) for me i have a hate and love uh, relationship with english because i like uh, speaking english but I'm a defender of, of Spanish language because I think in the last 15 or 10 years there's a big influence in the language uh, from, from English to Spanish and people who love Spanish are trying to, to use uh, Spanish words because we have these words in Spanish but young people want to use the English words. So this is my part that I hate uh, the influence of English in the language. But obviously, I love the English literature, also uh, French literature. Uh, now I'm reading, again, uh, Le Fleur du Mal de uh, Baudelaire. And for me, I, I have to read it in, I, I understand French, but I have to read it in Spanish, because if I read in another language, I don't I don't think, I don't know how to say. I don't take everything of the poetry. So uh, I read it in Spanish, and I love it. So. When this happens, I said, "Okay, if it, I if I like it in in Spanish, in in the other language, must be incredible." So uh, I read a lot of poetry and um, novels from from other languages, but all, always in in Spanish. And there's a thing that this happened now. I think that uh, Spanish literature is opening now to other countries. A lot of um, novelists from Spain are uh, being translated to other languages now so in uh, there's always a fight between the language of Cervantes and the language of of Shakespeare and this fight is this fight is gonna be always because they are two big authors but I think that we have to read both literatures in English in French in Spanish as much as you read is better for you so I like to read in in for all the languages, but I always read in, in Spanish.
7: I find it very interesting that you said, if it's if I like it in this language, like the original must be like so much better, or must be really great. Do you think that, I don't know, is translation always, like is a translated poem always going to be worse than like the original poem? Or like, I don't know, how did you guys find seeing your poems translated? What was it like as an experience?
5: For me, um, it was a, great experience. I, I like it, I like the translation, but this is what I talked with Daniel, the, the winner that uh, last week I was uh, talking with Ian Gibson, the author, and uh, he said that uh, poetry is that uh, thing that you lose when you translate it. So I think that when you translate poetry it's really difficult to translate. and if you translate poetry, uh, you must know writing poetry. So my, my girlfriend is translator. She translate poetry and like how are you doing? you You don't write poetry, but you can translate it for me it's impossible. I um, find the the same meaning in the two different languages and not also not only uh, two different languages, that uh, two different cultures, because one of the problems with my translation is that how it sounds in English culture this this phrase or how it sounds in Spanish culture. So I think it's really, really difficult, but I'm really happy with the with the translation, my poem.
7: It was interesting because I think one of your lines is Pasarnos el canon por el foro de los cojones, which literally is very vulgar. Um, but like there isn't really an English equivalent. So I remember like the winner like had put um a much more formal um translation because that you can't really like in English, it would mean um Sort of, you know, pass the can over for for the lining of a ball sack, and obviously that's not something that we ever say. But I think it's a standard phrase in Spanish. So, yeah, no, super interesting. Um, what about what about Xenia Chloe? What, how did you find it?
6: Well, in my case, since I also translate poetry myself and have been doing it for many years, and I always loved translating poetry, um, uh, it's it's very moving to see that uh, someone else has translated a poem of mine. (laughs) For for me, translation is also an act of love, and many times you translate poetry and nobody pays you for it, and nobody publishes (laughs) these translations, and and you have just this this poem translated in your computer, and it doesn't exist anywhere else, but it, it does exist for you, and it does exist in this language into which you translated the poem, and that's enough. And if you can um, convey the the meaning, not only the meaning, but also the spirit and the music of the original poem and all the associations um, of the original, if you can convey it in the translation, then it's it's a little miracle. And I do believe in miracles, (laughs) Uh, especially. (laughs) when they are related to literature and poetry and translation. Uh, so, for me, it was also just a little miracle to see that my poem uh, could could have another life in another language, that it could mean something to somebody else. <laughs> I mean, to, not to a Russian reader. And I, and I already Forgot, I had, I had already forgotten this poem. I, I found it in my in my computer and I sent it to you, and you chose it. And well, I after afterwards I I forgot it once more, and then when I read it in the English translation, I it sort of resurrected for me. Uh, it was uh, pure magic. Uh, so I think that good translators of poetry are very rare uh, in all the languages <laughs> and uh, translators who understand the difficulty of well just giving another life um, to this uh, work of art in another language in another tradition uh, translators who realize how difficult it is <laughs> are very rare too <laughs> And well, Hugh's translation pleased me a lot because he wanted to to come close to the original idea uh, I I wanted to put in the poem. And I liked especially the the final lines, um, the word cheating, which he chose was very precise. So so, mm, I'm very grateful and moved. Yeah,
2: I don't know what to ha- to add really um, because yes, it's such a difficult thing to translate poetry. Like, I don't know if I would want to do that myself for a poem in English to French because it's so, so, so hard. And also poets maybe more than uh, novelists are so in their head, and like, it's, uh, it's less than, it's yeah, it's a whole universe of poems. So to translate that is really hard. So, um, but I also think that we have all different relationships to our text, to our friends. And my relationship to my work is kind of loose. (laughs) Like I'm really precise like in French because I know I want to say that in French. But for the translation, I I give a lot of liberty, I think, to the translator. I'm like, I want the person to do their things. I I want them to interpret and I want them to have like a certain uh, freedom for the poem because I, I'm against literal translation. I don't think it's working at all because yeah, you stay close to the poem, but you're losing the rhythm, you're losing the music, you're losing a lot of things if you're um, doing literal translation. And as a translator, I'm always going <laughs> for a more art- artistic translation than a more literal translation, but it's very personal. And I know that people can also be offended with a more, um, creative way of translating so and this is why i like uh loose po- loose translation loose poem because she was she, i think that we share and it's, it was funny when i was talking to her because i th- i think that our minds are working alike like i think she's very very precise and very very crafty but she had a, a, a big she took a, a big uh, liberty with the poems and she would say that again and again that she took a leap of faith leap of faith so I think that this is why I choose that translation, because for me, her freedom was closer to the poem than if it was like a very static or a very literal translation. And I believe in movement in movement a lot. Like I think a lot of my work and a lot of things in my artistic practice <laughs> is about movement. And there's a movement in, in the translation. Like you take something, you you build something else. Like there's a it's static, it's like it's alive. So. Yeah, I was really, really pleased with what Lou did. It was a very, it was on point for me. And it, I haven't been translated a lot, but I've been translated a bit. And maybe it was my favorite sensation ever because it was so beautiful. And the rhythm was there. This is what is difficult. Because French is so musical. Everybody always say that. And I'm always working. And I always read my poems uh, out loud. And for me, like the music is really important. And she did another music. And this I like a lot.
0: We also asked how the pandemic had affected their poetry.
6: At first I was sort of, uh, well, euphoric. I was uh, thinking about writing and reading 24 hours a day. Uh, I thought I will never have so much free time as now. And then uh, it became... uh, my mood became darker, (laughs) and my poems too, I think. Uh, And I was just thinking, well, I can't write without uh, fresh visual impressions. I have to see new things every day. Uh, If I only see uh, my home and my partner and my cat, well, it's wonderful, but it's not enough. Uh, so I was just missing a lot visual impressions. And uh, when when they let us go out finally, when the lockdown was over, I was uh, walking many hours a day <laughs> just walk, wanting to recover this lost time. <laughs> and I wanted to to have many new impressions. Uh, My my eyes were hungry, so to say. My sight (laughs) was uh, voracious, was just getting everything it saw and wanting to put it in the poems. (laughs) And well, uh, it made me realize that visual impressions uh, are extremely important for me. And though I also love music and music kept me company too (laughs) during the lockdown, um, still, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Hira,
7: I remember you said that um, in the workshop with Daniel that you actually like found you were writing lots because when you're bored, you write a lot of poetry. Um, did that change at all?
5: For me the, the of writing is really good because I when I wrote, read, write more is when I'm bored. I need to be bored to, to be creative. So, and, and this is one of the things, that I said, for, for kids and, and people in the school, I said, you need to be bored for, for be creative. And I think today uh, we are not bored because we have the internet, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, Netflix. We have a lot of things to, to not be bored. And in, during the, um, the COVID, when I was at home, uh, I said, okay, for two or three days, I'm not going to see any series or films or something like that. I just going to be bored, and this is the best thing for me to write. I think when uh, Netflix finishes, you can you have seen every film, every every in Netflix or at HBO. Uh, you said, okay, I don't have nothing to do. I'm going to write. For me, it's the best thing. I just have to to walk with my dog in because I have. A house in the in the countryside, so I I can go out of my home. I not I don't have to be only inside. Um, for me it was perfect. I really almost read uh, write half of my second book in like two months or something like that. But it's uh, is true what Senia said that uh, you need to live to write. You need to to see to. To have impressions about things, uh, image, and something is you need things to write. But uh, before the 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 COVID time, I was working a lot, I live a lot, and this time of COVID have the time to be bored and write everything that I have lived uh, before. So for me was the the time of, of be, be calm, be quiet, and right
7: Chloe, what about
2: you i don't know because i still feel that we are in covid right now i know it's not a popular opinion but i do feel that right now we are still in covid and here in quebec it's kind of weird because like we're allowed now to have people inside like for the first time in months but for me the sickness is not gone it's still there and it could reappear and almost uh, anytime so and I I think it will probably maybe in a different way but and I think that all the injustice and all the things that COVID uh, showed us more like more clearly than never it's all gonna stay there and like I think that politically it's not a really good time (laughs) so this is the first thing that comes to my mind like um, it's still gonna be there like all the um, Fracture, fractures between the, the poor and the rich, all the fractures between the people that have home in the country and people that are stuck without AC in Montreal. Like all those kind of things are just going to show more and more and more because we're going to a financial crisis. Like I, I and I'm not saying this with despair, like it, it's been shown in history that uh, after things like that, um, so people are going to get poor and people are going to get richer. So I think, and all, all the, the, for the past years, uh, I've been very like, um, weighed down by all those things and by the BLM movement. And here, uh, right now, we have a lot of things uh, going on with the indigenous and the bodies uh, found uh, into uh, the residential schools. It's it's a nightmare, but it's a nightmare that we have seen coming for for, for a long time. So I think I'm, I'm into that like and it's uh, it's, I think we're living through dark times, even if it's uh, the the weather is really nice in Montreal and people are going on terraces and all these things are in my writing. Like I it's like my poem. I'm I cannot be like um, I'm always influenced by the world I'm living in um, because I'm I think I'm a political subject and I think we all are. So um, that being said, I was very busy <laughs> during COVID. I finished my PhD dissertation. I, I work, work, work. I was overworked. And, I'll, and I think the political uh, climate also overworked me. I was really tired. I'm still very tired. And I, I just think it's a very tiring <laughs> time to be alive. And I think that I'm going to be old when things are going to get back to normal, as we can say. So. I don't know I I I don't have any more uh, I don't have a positive vibe (laughs) about all this
7: (laughs) yeah definitely not I mean sometimes like sometimes it feels a bit strange to really be focusing on you know poetry translating poetry literature when obviously so much is going wrong there's so much you know there's so much injustice no
2: no I I feel you and that like uh, literature is like the only thing I really know how to do so it's the thing I'm gonna do like I'm not gonna be a lawyer uh, tomorrow morning or you know sadly or not sadly because I think I, I wouldn't be a very good lawyer so this is it like this is the thing I'm gonna do like because it's been like I've spent so much time like building what I'm doing so yeah I'm gonna keep going but Yeah, sometimes it felt a bit weird to be involved in my poems or or my dissertation. I was like, who cares? (laughs) But yeah, I did it. Maybe you could all
7: say like in one sentence, like one short phrase, like what you were looking for in your translations, because I think hearing the differences will be interesting.
5: For me, uh, uh, it was the reading, um, meaning. That's the two things more important for me.
2: It's so hard. Um, yeah, for me, I think uh, I wanted the music of French to find its way in the English language by and respecting the images
6: I I've built in the meantime. One sentence is very little. <laughs> Perhaps I, I will need two sentences, <laughs> just because I'm slow thinking and, and speaking in all languages, not only English. <laughs> I, I think I, I really did not know what what I wanted to find in the translation. And that was the, the beautiful thing, the beautiful surprise of, well, of, of reading um, some, a few translations and, and just wanting to recognize the face of your poem in this, in these different mirrors. And every mirror g- gives you a, a different face. And w- there is one mirror which you prefer because perhaps it's, it's the face you would like your poem to have. <laughs> not, not its, its real face. And, and you also asked, um, uh, just some minutes ago whether whether a translation is always worse than the original. And I wanted to say that I think that sometimes it can improve the original. And I I remember that once I interviewed Mark Strand, uh, a very interesting American poet, and he said his poetry had been translated into Spanish by Octavio Paz, who's also a great poet and essay writer and and Strand told me, well, I thought I was pretty, a pretty good poet, but when I read his translations, because Strand also knew Spanish, when I read Octavio Paz's translations of my poems, I realized that uh, they, they, he had improved uh, the originals, and uh, that actually I had nothing to do. I had just to pass my thoughts and my feelings to the translator and he would (laughs) turn them into beautiful poems. I could quit writing (laughs) because my translator (laughs) had understood myself better than I (laughs) understand myself. (laughs) That was what Mark Strand told me and I always remember um, these words of his when I think about translating poetry
7: just wanted to say thank you again for letting us use your work and for letting people translate it and yeah it's been really fun to like be part of the process and like see people translating
1: oh yeah, it's been great me and kyra concluded that if we had entered this competition we would not have won even <laughs> close because like not even a little <laughs> but
0: We want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has contributed to this episode, which was made possible by funding from the University of St. Andrew's Modern Languages Department. To the poet, to everyone that entered the competition, to everyone that sent us readings of the poems, thank you so much.
1: Congratulations again to our lovely winners, Daniel Clark, Lucera Badzik, and Hugh Davies. As always, please check out our website for more information on the poets, their poems, the translators, and also about us, and to stay updated on our
0: episodes. The voices you heard reading the poems, in no particular order, were Isabella Redmayne, Zoe Morrison-Griffiths, Claire Boradai, Melody Lewis, Daa Septi,
3: Axel Kakutier,
4: Coggan Galbraith,
0: Caitlin Morris, Maddie Lee, Phoebe Mazier, Lauren McGarck, Charlotte Bay,
3: Rhys
4: Anderson, Una McGyach,
0: Dan Cellini,
4: Lisa Ireland,